Attention homeowners that have ever had a broken appliance. <laughs> That's a joke, right? We've all had broken appliances. I own a home just like you and have found a way for as little as a dollar a day to have all the major appliances in my home on a warranty plan. They're guaranteed to be fixed or replaced. You know how expensive an air conditioner, a heating system, a washing machine, dryer, water heater, or refrigerator can be. For about a dollar a day, all your major appliances are protected in case they break. Unless you're uh, Daddy Warbucks or the Monopoly guy and you don't care about money, call my friends at the Home Service Club now and get a warranty on your major appliances. It's a free call and the first month is free. But be one of the first 25 people to call within the next 10 minutes. 800-264-3168 That's 800-264-3168 Hi there, this is Joan Van Ark and you're listening to TV Confidential. At Robertson Lawther, guest Michael Sloan, Michael Sloan, creator and producer of the original Equalizer TV series, as well as the Equalizer movie and novel franchise. It is not a stretch to say that Michael Sloan has show business in his blood. His grandfather, Fred Stone, was a famous vaudeville performer who created the role of the Scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz on Broadway in 1902, while his parents, Paula Stone and Michael Sloan, were two of the top producers on Broadway in the 1940s and 1950s. If that lineage is not impressive enough for you, Michael's cousins include Milburn Stone, the actor who played Doc Adams on Gunsmoke, and Keenan Wynn. Keenan Wynn, one of the great character actors of our time. Keenan Wynn, as a matter of fact, played a key role in the chain of events that ultimately launched Michael's career in television. That is one of the stories that Michael shares in his memoir, One More Thing, Sir, One More Thing, Sir, available in paperback and as an ebook through BearManerMedia.com, Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Michael's website, Michael-Sloan-Equalizer.com. When I ask you a few questions about The Equalizer, now... I love that show. I've not seen the Denzel movies yet. I will, because I, I, like, I, I like Denzel. But I want to ask you a few questions about the original. Now, I love the show. I loved Woodward. What I thought about casting Woodward was that, at least as an American, not having seen him in Callan, which, mm -hmm. which was the British show he did right. in the 60s, uh, for those who haven't seen it. But being an American who was not familiar with Callan, my first thought was, okay, that's an odd choice to cast him as this badass vigilante because he does not look formidable at first right. until you find out that he really is. Right. And that was, I, I just, I mean, he, he was just so cool. He was very good in, in the role and uh, it was out that way. It didn't start out that way, but um, once I got ever to agree and then I had to uh, persuade TBS to, to come on board. After that, it was fine. Yeah, and, and, and Michael talks about some of the studio politicking that uh, he had to navigate in order to get uh, uh, CBS to sign off on Edward Woodward. There's also a very, very funny story about uh, the screen test that Woodward agreed to do. And, and again, it, it, it goes back to he was not only an actor whose work you knew as a fan of watching British shows living in, in England at the time, right. but you had worked with him, and, uh, uh, and he reminded you of that in his screen test in a very funny way. Well, yeah, it was, it was, I 
same thing with the script, and I was you know, trying to persuade CBS to come on board, and um, but then I, you know, I had to um, call him and say, you have to do four scenes from the pilot script, and um, and so thank God he he did that because I don't know how many actors of his caliber you know would have done that um, at at the time you know, but he called me and said. You start. You started with said, "Microphone, you're a f- idiot." <laughs> you know, he said, "I'm, I'm going to do this, but you know, really." And then he was doing a play at the time. I, you know, some 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 play that happens happens in a, a railroad station, and um, then he, he did four scenes for the Equalizer pilot and sent it. To me, you know, and then we got it to Universal, and uh, and then and they, you know, they signed off on it. Michael Sloan is on the line with us. Michael Sloan, creator and producer of The Equalizer. Michael's book, One More Thing, sir, not only walks you through the backstory of how he got The Equalizer on the air, but also gives you an idea of some of the actors that CBS originally wanted to play Robert McCall before they agreed on Edward Woodward. That is one of the many highlights of Michael's book, as well as great stories about his work alongside Glenn Larson, Fred Silverman, Sandra Bullock, David Jansen, Anthony Zerby, Richard Anderson, John Frankenheimer, Raymond Burr, Patrick McGowan, Patrick McNee, Denzel Washington, and other movie and TV legends. One more thing, sir, available on paperback and as an ebook through BearManorMedia.com, Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. When I first got your book, Michael, one more thing, sir. When I first got your book uh, and I flipped through the sections on Woodward and the Equalizer, you know, I, it, this being the day and age of smartphones and Twitter, I, I started, you know, Googling and YouTubing Edward Woodward. I, I was delightfully surprised to discover that he did an hour-long special for the BBC a few years after he ended Callan, and it was uh, it was like a comedy variety special. He sings, he performs in sketches, and it 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 gives it gave me a glimpse of what a well-rounded performer he was that you don't necessarily see if you only know him as the Equalizer. That's well, that's true. That's true. You know, and uh, he he was very versatile that that way. You know, you know he's a singer, and uh, yeah. Well, and again, you you tell the story about how he gave you a hard time, you know, to agree to do the uh, screen test. But I like to think that he did it because he knew you and you had worked together. And so it was out of that mutual respect that he agreed to do it in the the begin with versus if this was just something that came to him out of the blue from someone that he had no history with. Right, right. Well, I had, you know, I had met him a couple of times, uh, but very briefly before the Equalizer. And in a way... The story of The Equalizer, and particularly the movies and the two novels that you've done in the last decade, that's another example of, I mean, we mentioned the word kismet and serendipity and how that comes into play so many times throughout your life and career, is that you didn't necessarily, I mean, you did you did the show for Universal in the 80s, and you know, the show had a nice four-year run, and then it came and went, and then you didn't realize at first that you had all the rights to the show, you know. No, I, I, I didn't. And then even then, I thought, okay, that, that, this is great. So, and 
but how you know how do I get it to a publisher? And um, and there's one there was this guy who became a, a publisher in in New York, and um, you know and I lobbied him for oh, over a year until he until he finally said, "All right, we'll do it." But that, that took me a long time. And what's cool is that. Yes, it took it took you a long time before you, you before you finally found the right partner to help you develop it. But once you started the process and taking meetings, you were willing to wait for the right. You weren't just willing to jump on the first offer that someone gave you. I mean, you were you were very deliberate in your choice. And uh, you tell the story about how one of the early meetings you you took. You know, the producer saw saw the equalizer as a uh, Will Ferrell vehicle. Yeah, it was right. You know, yeah, it was uh, when I was going to start. I um, yeah, I had this, this you know, ridiculous meeting with this producer, and 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 I said, no, I'm not going to do anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've you know, you you you've got the rights to it. You know, you've got you 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 it. it look, this this is how I took it, Michael. The fact that you got this partner with you to help develop it that affirmed that you had a valuable property so you were not you were willing to wait for the right move you were not just some people they jump on the first opportunity you you were savvy enough to wait for the right move right no that's very really, uh, true you know so uh, you know i've done these two uh Eagle novels now and the the the, the third one is going to come out um probably in the autumn i guess okay but, and I'm, um, I mean, I, I'm finished, but I, I, you know, I have to go back now and do, do all the rewriting and stuff. So that, that's going to take me a while. But, but I, that's, that's what I'm working on now. This is third Equalizer book. Okay, well, maybe when the third Equalizer book comes out, you'll join us on TV Confidential again. I would, I would be uh, thrilled to. Michael Sloan is on the line with us. Michael Sloan, Emmy-nominated writer and producer of many of the most popular and iconic TV series, TV miniseries and made-for-TV movies of the past four decades, as well as the creator and producer of the Equalizer television series, the producer of the Equalizer movie franchise, and the author of the Equalizer novel franchise. The latest Equalizer novel will come out later in 2020, if all goes well. In the meantime, Michael's memoir, One More Thing, Sir, is available right now through our friends at bearmannermedia.com as well as amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Michael's website, michael-sloan-equalizer.com. A couple more questions, if I can. Sure. The story of how you got Raymond Burr to do the play Underground in the early 1980s, that's another example of kismet serendipity in that... You didn't necessarily write it with him in mind. Right. When the idea of reaching out to him came, again, you sent it out to him and you figured, okay, maybe he'll do it, maybe he won't do it, but, you know, you sent it out to him and you moved on to something else, and lo and behold, he said yes. Right. It, and it took me, again, it was, it was over a year, um, and I, I'd forgotten about it. And then I, I, I got this uh, email from um, his manager saying, um, um, well, when do you want Raymond to um, uh, start rehearsal? And I, I was like, I'm sorry, what? I was like, oh, let me get right back to you. And <laughs> so then I called my friend uh, uh, Paul Elliott in, in England, and um, we made the deal. Yeah, and what was funny is that the, the concern was 
because Burr had become so masterful at using the teleprompter in television, there was concern that he wouldn't be able or wouldn't be willing to do the work to do a play because obviously you can't do a you, you can't do a stage play and use a teleprompter because the, the, right, right, right. but not only did he know the play know the dialogue know everything about the the play better than any of the other actors it reminded me as someone who studied Burr's career when I wrote my book on Perry Mason how you know, before he hit on the idea of teleprompters, I mean, you know, he memorized everything. He was that memory muscle was still there, and he knew how to channel it for the live stage. Yeah, yeah, he was um, he was a wonderful uh, guy to, to to work with, and uh, um, and I, you know, I had been a, a fan of uh, Perry Mason for you know since I was a kid, so uh, you know that that worked out very well. We mentioned before we started recording that one of my favorite shows still is Harry O with David Jansen. Can you share a few memories of your friendship with David Jansen? Jansen was a wonderful guy, and uh, um, I got to, you know, again, knew him quite well for a while. And, uh, in fact, we were going to have lunch at the La restaurant. I ran into him, uh, and he said, you know, let's, let's have lunch. And that was on a Wednesday and he passed away on the Friday. That's just one of those what-are-the-odds type of moments. But, I know. Uh, it, 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 it was really sad because, you know, he, he was, I mean, you know, David was, you know, his own enemy. He, he, he smoked too much and drank too much. And, but, you know, he had a wonderful life, and he was very um, a wonderful guy to me. And, uh, you know, as most of the, the people I talk about in, in the book you know, we're very, um, you know, over the years, um, I, get, I became very close to. I just have one more question for now, and then, like I said, we will have Michael back on uh, later in the fall when his third Equalizer book came out. And again, I've been I've been trying not to overindulge in Harry O because that is my favorite show. No, well, I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that. Two things. Um, you wrote seven Harry O's, but one of those turned out to be the very last episode of the series of the show called Victim, yeah. uh, which had the wonderful tag at the end where Zerby and Jansen tussle over this bag of coffee. That was the running oh, gag. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. that was the running that was the running gag of the episode. Trench ran out of coffee because Harry was always mooching coffee off a trench. And so Harry Harry presents him with a bag of coffee at the end of the show. And right. they tussle over the bag of coffee, and the episode ends with Zerby saying goodbye, Orwell, and and Harry says goodbye, Trench. And then the final the final freeze frame is Paul Tully as as Robert saying bye, Harry. And I thought, I mean, of course, you didn't know that was the last episode of the time, but it turned out to be the last episode. And I thought that was just that was just a great way to end that series. It, it, it was fun, and it was a fun show. You know, I remember the Bob Rosier. Came up with a great potential Harry O line. Uh, he, Harry is his office, and uh, and uh, he he talks to him about whatever the the, um, the case is, whatever. And there's a pause, and Zerby looks at him and says, "Oh well, you have managed to rekindle my lack of interest." <laughs> Zer- Zer- that, that is my favorite Bob. Well, I hope you like this. When I had a chance to talk to Zerby about 20 years ago, 
He said to me, the image I have of that relationship is, 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 is Harry uh, standing outside of Trench's car and Trench talking to Harry with, and rolling up the window at the same time, meaning I don't have time to talk to you, Harry. <laughs> and in a way that kind of encapsulized that relationship it was uh it was it was a symbiotic relationship in many sense of the word and and, and the way those two played off each other was just and they, and, and they, they were very close and uh, you know the it, it, that really comes through in the dialogue and um i think my favorite trench line that i did was um uh, harry comes into his office and Tris is shining his shoes and says, ah, Orwell, come in, you know, yes. uh, what's on your mind? And Harry says, uh, uh, are you feeling all right? And he said, no, I, I just thought I'd try it out for size. I, if I like it, I don't. Goodbye. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll. That's a good Anthony Zerby, too. Yeah, yeah. These, these are in, in my... Obviously, in my uh, bended in my subconscious yeah. <laughs> over I, these years. Yeah. I could go on talking to you about Harry O forever, and I, but I'm, I'm going to be good. I'm going to shut up and let you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed reading your book. One more thing, sir, and uh, please join us again later in the year when you're ready to talk about your latest Equalizer book. I will. I will be thrilled to do that, and uh, it will be finished. I would say by uh, you know, September, and um, you know I, I really appreciate uh, your time and uh, you know the care uh, with which you do your interviews. Michael Sloan is the author of One More Thing, Sir: The Musings of a Television Writer Producer. One More Thing, Sir, available in paperback and as an ebook through BearManerMedia.com. You can also find it Amazon.com, wherever books are sold. Michael's website: Michael-Sloan-Hyphen equalizer.com. Greg Airbar will join us for a DVD report next on TV Confidential. An adult elephant can weigh up to six tons. The average person, 150 pounds. Ever heard of carfentanil? It's a large wild animal tranquilizer. Illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it. It can kill the average human. If you or a loved one is addicted to opiates, even pain pills, don't wait until it's too late. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. We care. Many of us have been where you are. We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 866-490-3991-866-490-3991-866-490-3991. Attention, this important consumer alert is brought to you by the Structured Settlement Cash Hotline. Did you know it's possible to receive upfront money in one large payment from your Structured Settlement? Yes, you can. If you're receiving a structured settlement spread out over time and you want to access your money today, call us. It's your future cash. Why not put it in your hands today? Don't wait any longer. This is the best solution if you need money to pay your bills or even help a family member who's been affected during this global time of crisis. Everyone needs a little money right now, and our hotline is here for you. If you have a structured settlement where you're getting money spread out over time and you want it faster... 
Call now. This simple 10-minute call can get your money now. The call is free and it costs you nothing. 800-965-7987-800-965-7987-800-965-7987. That's 800-965-7987. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contract. Our experienced partners are offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. You'll never pay another timeshare maintenance bill again, and all your obligations will be terminated. You can begin saving today. Even if you've tried another company to get rid of your timeshare, call and see if we can help you. At the Timeshare Exit Hotline, we only accept payment after an agreement has been made to get you out of your timeshare. Make this complimentary free call and learn how our honest partners can help anyone, anywhere, legally get out of their timeshare nightmare. 800-715-6093. 800-715-6093. That's 800-715-6093. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.